Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So this morning, it's a story that some of you will recognize. It's a story about the feeding of the 5,000, which is technically incorrect. The story says that there were 5,000 men, that there were probably closer to 10 or 12,000 people, including women and children. And you might think to yourself, why does it only tell us how many men there are? That's a whole different sermon series that I could do for you. We're, that's not very practical at this moment. And so we will put that aside, but one of the reasons that, I'm just going to tease you with this, one of the reasons that we record men is that in that culture, in that day and age, women and children did not get to make religious decisions for the household. So it was more important that men heard and encountered the transformative power of Jesus Christ because then they could go home and transform their households. We now know that that is not the only paradigm, uh, but that's a whole other sermon series that I'll get to sometime before Jesus comes back. But today, we're going to be talking about practical Jesus. So did you pay attention to what was happening here? In this feeding, Jesus had been teaching all day, preaching and teaching up on the mountainside. And then the disciples said, hey, Jesus, it's getting late. You might want to dismiss these people so that they can go eat. You know, it's getting late and they're hungry. And Jesus says, why should I dismiss them? Give them something to eat. And they're like, uh, how do we do that, Jesus? Because we're poor and itinerant like you are, and we're not carrying this much food. And so they end up having these five fishes and two, or two fishes, whatever I'm at. You have seven, right? You have the loaves and the fishes, and Jesus ends up breaking them and making more and more, enough to feed thousands and thousands of people. And as Jesus does this, at this point, he completes their evening meal. And you might have noticed that one of the things Jesus did in in this account of the feeding of the 5,000s is mimic exactly what he will do in communion. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And the disciples were a part of that. He gave it to them, and then they gave it to others in this evangelical feeding. And then, after all of that was done, he sends the disciples on their way, onto the other side of the lake. And then he dismisses the crowds, and once all the work is done, he goes up by himself. He goes up and is alone on the mountainside, and the the scripture is very clear. It says that he went to pray. That even after this incredible day of triumph, of reaching people, of having a transformative, miraculous encounter and feeding thousands and thousands of people, Jesus takes time by himself. And he doesn't just go up there and turn on Netflix and fall asleep on the couch. He goes up and he prays. And this is important for us to hear because Jesus is practicing what we call self-care. And unfortunately, our culture has kind of latched on to the concept of self-care. And just as human-inclined sin is born, it changes that into more of self-indulgence, right? I'm entitled to a $400 spa day because I'm taking care of myself. That's not what Jesus was doing. Instead, Jesus was being intentional and thoughtful about making sure that he rested his body, that he renewed his spirit through prayer, and that he had the opportunity to get mentally ready for the next thing. If you work yourself day after day after day, you will be exhausted. God knows this. God knows that these forms are frail, mortal, and that they need to be renewed. 
God knows this. That's why if we go all the way back to Genesis in the first creation story, we'll find that on the seventh day after completing the entire creation, God rests. God is modeling for us that we need to rest. And God continues to use that model and remind the people throughout the Torah that you shall rest on the Sabbath. The Sabbath shall be a day of rest for you. They didn't have a two-day weekend. They had a one-day a week where they got to rest. And God said, you will take that day and you will rest. And not just you, everyone in your household, every slave, even the donkey gets a day of rest. Everybody should have a day of rest because now, not so much me, but I know people who would work seven days a week if they could. They would churn out work seven days a week. And I can remember at my last church, I worked with a bunch of these people. I don't understand these people, but I worked with a bunch of these people. And I would get up early in the morning and I would go to check my email and I was getting email responses at 2 and 3 a.m. And I was like, go to bed, get some sleep. My gosh, how do you function in the morning? And the truth is they didn't. They were night people. But we have to monitor ourselves. We have to check our bodies. We have to check our brains. Have you ever been so fried that you can't think of the word? Right? You can't think. Have you ever walked into a room and you were like, I was going to do something? And then you realize, oh my gosh, I just became my mother. <laughs> it happens, right? At first I used to blame it on pregnancy brain. I was like, I just gave birth to new life. That's what's wrong. No, I'm human. That's what's wrong. And it happens to us that our brains get fried, our bodies get hurt, they, they will actually work themselves to disintegration. We can work our bodies into nothingness, and that's not what God wants. God wants us to look at what God has given us, our form, our incredible rational mind, and yes, indeed, our spirit, and God wants us to pay attention to it, wants us to nurture it and take care of it, because it's got a long time to be on this planet. And hopefully, it will do incredible things if we take care of it. And self-care is vital. And one of the things that clergy have learned is that we will work ourselves to death if we don't stop. And so that's one of the reasons why I went down to New Orleans this past week, because I actually got to go somewhere and not be the pastor, which is kind of nice, until somebody outed me, and then all of a sudden I was the pastor again. Right? And you go, you go somewhere, doctors know this, y'all know. Those of you in the medical field, as soon as somebody finds out you're in the medical field, it's like, I got this thing on my foot. And you're like, whoa, we're at a cocktail party. But we want to focus ourselves on making sure that not only are we taking care of ourselves as Jesus shows us, not only does Jesus take care of himself by routinely withdrawing from the crowds that he loves and he serves, but also taking time to nap, Amen. Mark 4, 28, Jesus naps taking time to be with his disciples in a friendly way, be, taking time to fellowship at meals, taking time to rest, taking time to focus on our personal relationship with our Lord and Savior as Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray so that the Son can be connected to the Father, taking time to practice our spiritual disciplines. I, after I got outed while I was in New Orleans, this one woman said to me, well, Jesus was a vegetarian. And I said, no, Jesus was a Jew who practiced the Passover, and therefore he ate Passover lamb at least once a year. She goes, how do you know this? <laughs> I know. But the idea is that, yes, he did, he did eat meat. Now, maybe he didn't like meat. Who knows? But the Bible also tells us that there are clear occasions where he's eating fish, especially after the resurrection. So we know that Jesus liked fish and lamb. As far as cheeseburgers, probably not. But lamb and fish, the scriptures record Jesus eating. 
And we know these things. And as she's telling me about, you know, this is, this is what I want, I realized that what she wanted was she wanted to make Jesus similar to what she is, right? She's a vegetarian, therefore Jesus should be a vegetarian. And I said, you know, I don't think Jesus would have a problem with you being a vegetarian. I don't think there's a problem with that. But I also don't think that you can just co-opt Jesus to be what you want. I said, you have to pay attention to the fact that Jesus was cognitive of what people need. Jesus, in taking care of himself, looked around and said, what is it people need? Now, Jesus didn't have to feed those thousands of people. Jesus was probably already tired and had been doing incredible work. And even though he, I don't know if Jesus was an extrovert or not, even though I could be around you all for about 36 hours, that's the longest I've ever gone without sleep, being around people. At the end of that, when there's no people, my body hates me. My body hates me. My spirit is like, what is wrong with you? We should have tapped out 24 hours ago. And so what ends up happening is it takes me longer to recuperate than if I paced myself. And Jesus is reminding people that you have to pay attention to needs. And at the end of that day, when the disciples were like, people are getting hungry, which is probably a sign of the disciples saying, hey, we're hungry, send them home. But at the end of the day, Jesus looked out and said, you know what? It's more important that these people eat before they go. They have a journey, they have to go home, they have to get themselves together, and there are women and children here, we need to make sure that we feed these people. And so he made a decision to feed them, and then he immediately took comp time and went up on the mountain. That's exactly what he did, and he's showing us this. But if we push deeper into what Jesus is saying, we'll find out that Jesus recognizes self-care is also helping other people practice self-care. Taking care of ourselves in the body of Christ means that we are cognitive of other people who are close to burnout, who are frustrated, who feel lost, who feel alone and abandoned, that we are paying attention to those people. Now, the Methodist system has in it some built-in things that are supposed to help us help other people from being burnt out, care for themselves. We're supposed to rotate people through on committees. You're not supposed to be on a committee from the time you join the church at the age of 12 until the time that Jesus comes back. That's not how that's meant to happen. Instead, the Methodist system is that you would serve up to three years and then you would get a rest. And I have tried to keep to this. I have tried to make sure that people aren't serving over that. And it's important because as much as you love the church, as much as you love the people in the body of Christ, as much as you love Christ, at the end of the day, the work of the church is exhausting. It is tiring. It's a good tired. Sometimes it's a frustrating tire, depending on what's going on, but it is for the good of the community, is good for the church, and we recognize it that it's a blessing to be able to serve in that way, but you can't do that forever. You have to have a break. You have to have help. And so at the end of your service, there should be other people who go, you know what, it's my turn. I will stand up and I will help. Otherwise, if you keep turning to the same people over and over again, they will burn out. So I don't usually poll you all. I try not to poll you all, but I'm going to poll you right now. Raise your hand if you have ever been burnt out from something. It doesn't have to be in the church. Raise your hand. Okay. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you ever got burnt out from something in the church. Right? We do. We get burnt out from something in the church. And let me tell you right now, I don't care what anybody says, you are not a bad Christian if you've been burned out in the church. Good Christians get burnt out in church. Good Christians get burnt out in church. That doesn't make you weak in your faith. It doesn't mean your prayer life stinks. It means that you are a human being. What it means is that the church failed you. The church failed you. Because we should be watching each other and monitoring and recognizing that people need a break. 
People need time to rest, to rejuvenate, to be inspired again. I was holding on by a thread before I went on my vacation. It had been 10 months since I had a vacation. And I was like, I'm going to just make it through. I'm going to power through. I have a vacation that I scheduled over a year ago um, on a cruise in October. And so I was like, I'm just going to power through to October. And you know what my body said to me? You're going to be dead in October. You're going to be dead in October. And you can start to tell your body, all of your being starts to tell you, stop, stop. Your body starts to get achy. I was getting illnesses. I was like, I think I have tuberculosis. What is going on? You start to get sick. Your brain doesn't work as well as it does. You have to work twice as hard to do something that used to come easy. And you start to get irritable with people. Right? You start to get a little snippy with people. And you know what? We see this with Jesus. I like to tell the hangry story about Jesus. When Jesus was so hungry, he got angry. And it said that on the, on the next day after Jesus enters into Jerusalem, after Palm Sunday, he enters in and he gets up in the morning and the text actually says Jesus was hungry, a hungry man. And so as he's going back into the city, because they were sleeping out in the Garden of Gethsemane, they were kind of camping out in the national park of their day. As they go back in, Jesus is looking around for a fruit tree, something to eat off of, and he comes to a fig tree and the fig tree has no fruit. And Jesus is so angry that he curses the fig tree. He says, now you'll never bear fruit. Don't get around hangry Jesus. And Jesus was so angry because his body needed food. He needed food. Now, some of you are going, now I know that in the beginning of the gospel account, he was tested for 40 days without food. Yes, but have you ever woken up that one day and you were like, I need food or I'm going to kill somebody and say nice things at their funeral? I wake up like that routinely. And so it resonates with me that Jesus had a body that was human that said, you know what, you need to stop and you need to eat. And I'll tell you what, you know how hangry he was? Not only did he curse the fig tree, but that's when he goes right back into the temple and flips over tables. He flips over tables. And I think to myself, you know, he might have handled that a little differently if he had had some breakfast. He might have handled it a little differently. But we who are fully human recognize that in Jesus we have a companion. We have somebody who knows. We have somebody that doesn't want us to work ourselves to death. Jesus says if you die because of your faith, that's one thing. But you should not run your body into the ground. You should not decimate that beautiful mind that you have been given. That is not what God asks of us. And we can't martyr ourselves by working ourselves to death or allowing another person to do it. So here's our challenge as we continue forward. Our challenge is... What is it that God will have us do for ourselves and for another person? Where can we truly find rejuvenative, restorative rest? Where can we find it? And if we've been on a long, prolonged period of rest, then it's time for us to figure out, okay, God, what would you have me do now? What's next? Because I know there's somebody who's due for a rest. And tap me, man, because I'm in. It's my turn. And that's what we do as the body of Christ. We recognize that there comes a day when we need a rest. And it's okay to say that. It's all right to say it. I am not going to remove your name from the rolls. I'm not going to deny you communion. I'm not going to tell everybody you're a bad Christian if you tell me no. I'm not. I'm probably going to say to you, you know what? I respect that and good self-care. But the day will come when the Holy Spirit's going to tell you today is your day. Today is your day. 
but we have to be ready. If we are so burnt out physically, mentally, and spiritually, we won't hear what God has to say to us. Jesus was only able to do the marathon of ministry that he engaged in because he took time to rest. And he had to rest. You'll notice every time he goes to rest, something incredible happens right afterwards. In fact, in Mark 4, as he's sleeping in the bow of the boat, all of a sudden the storm comes up, right? And they're like, wake up, we're dying. We're dying. The storm's going to kill us. And Jesus wakes up and is like, really? I was napping. And calms the storm. And if you take time to care for this gift in whatever state it is in its aging process, if you take time to care for it, in the body and in the mind and in the spirit, God will show you incredible things. But you got to rest up a little bit, and then you have to be ready. You have to rest so that you can be ready. And when God says, hey, I've got an incredible opportunity for you, that's when we say to ourselves, you know what? I'm rested. Let's do it. Show me some kingdom building. Show me the glory. Let me experience being part of your blessings today. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. We Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.